I want to speak to you tonight about something that I, I felt the Spirit of the Lord came to me about during this week. And um, it's one of, those, one of those topics that I believe is very vital for this hour, very important for this hour. You have to know that you are the bishop of your own heart. Amen. Can I say it again? You are the bishop of your own heart. You allow what comes in and you allow what goes out. Um, and tonight, just stay with me, stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I want to just uh, teach us something again tonight. I wanted to say that last week, but I, I thought I'll say this tonight. Holy Spirit is not a feeling. I'll say it again. Holy Spirit is not a feeling. He's a person. When He enters a room, the atmosphere shifts. Because He brings with Him the goods of heaven. Come on, can I say that again? At the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. It's not goosebumps. The Holy Spirit is a person and with Him comes an atmosphere. It is the atmosphere of the impossible. It is the atmosphere of the supernatural. It is the atmosphere of the kingdom. So why do we want the Holy Spirit with us? Why must He be leading everything? Because when He does, He makes sure that the sons of God, which is you and I, that we step into that that belongs to us according to Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit will lead us always to the fullness of who Jesus is. Amen. And so we have to always follow the Holy Spirit. Save me, follow the Holy Spirit. Oh no, that's, I'm going to make you stand. Save me, follow the Holy Spirit. Come on, we are a spiritful church. Are you guys okay? So come on, let's just sound spiritful. Uh, I, um, I like it when we are alive. I don't like it when we are um, submitting to an atmosphere that is around us. Who of you know that... Jesus Christ has called us to shift nations and not to only shift nations, but Jesus Christ has called us to shift cities. Is there anybody that believes what I believe? That God has called you to shift a city. God has called you to shift a region. God has called you to shift not just a city, not just a region, not just an area. God has called you to shift your own self, your family and everything that you touch. Because you have an ambassador that lives inside of you. His name is the Holy Spirit. Come on, we are not here for convenience. We are here to shift a nation back to God. And during this week, as I was studying, as I was reading the Word of the Lord, studying the Word of the Lord, I found a very provoking, and the Holy Spirit was just saying something to me during this week. You know, often we will hear Christians and we will hear people complaining about uh, surroundings, about areas, about things that is happening around us. And the Lord said to me something very, very strongly. The Lord said this, every time a Christian complains, they give power away to the devil that already thinks he's in control. But I've not called my people to be partakers of that what is happening in this world. I've called my people to offset that what is happening in this world or be the answer or be the solution. In other words, as you sit here, and, and this is not my sermon, but as you sit here tonight, you are the answer for a dying world. Come on, the answer looks like you. Okay, there's not a lot of amens for that. Let me say it again. God has an answer and it looks like you. God has a solution and it looks like you. This country has a problem and it looks like you. This country needs a solution and it looks like you. 
We cannot entertain what the devil is busy doing. And we, the people of God, just sit around and we do nothing. No, we have to play our part. We have to be the leaders. We have, be the, we have to be the catalyst. We have to be the ambassadors. And we have to be the change. Come on, are you there? May I be as bold as to say it like this. Unless we understand that God has called us to be ambassadors, we will, less, we will live a life less than what God has designed us to be. But what I want to speak to you tonight is about is this is the Lord spoke to me about the I, I would almost want to say these are one of the deadly sins that you can allow in your life. But the Lord spoke to me about this and I want to speak to you for the next couple of minutes about the Judas that can reside in everybody. The Judas that can reside about any in, in, in anybody. And I, I want to speak to you about offense. And the reason why I want to speak to you about offense is because the Bible said it's no longer you that live, but Christ that lives. And the life you live, it's no longer you that live that life. It's Christ in you that lives the life. In other words, according to the Scripture, the Holy Spirit is going to continuously lead us to die to self. It is an uncomfortable journey, but a necessary one if we want to see the kingdom invading the planet. Come on, is there anybody with me? Again, I say the Holy Spirit is leading you only one way, and that is to die to you. Because it's no longer you that live, it's Christ that lives in you, through you, and upon you. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who died for me. Therefore, there's only one place that the Holy Spirit is leading us truly, and that's death to self. The Christian life is a death to self life. It's not a popular theme in 2023. But the Christian life is a death to self life. If you are going to be like the master, you have to carry a cross and you have to die to yourself. Are you there? There isn't another way. And so Jesus says in Matthew chapter number 24, um, he in his uh, in his discourse where he says on the, in the on the Mount of Beatitudes, he says this. He says, because lawlessness will abound, the hearts of many will grow cold. And then he makes this very profound statement. He says this. He says, and, men, and then many will be offended. Many will betray one another. And many will hate one another. Listen to that scripture again. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Why will this happen? Why will this occur? Well, the scripture says to us, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I want you to see something here. Coldness here or lawlessness here simply means ineffective. And the reason why we're going to become ineffective or possibly become ineffective or there can be a people that become ineffective during this time and during this hour is distance from source. The further away we go from the source original intent, the more diluted you and I will become. Come on, are you there? But the closer we get to the source, the stronger it is. Come on, whoever you know what I'm talking about. In other words, the closer we get to Jesus, the stronger the kingdom manifests to us. However, for the kingdom to manifest truly through you, you have to be dead to you. And the person that should do the living is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Come on, is there anybody that's okay? And I've seen in this hour, it is, it is almost like there's a disease in many people where there's a, a, a sensitivity around um, how can I say, there's just a sensitivity and, and people are getting more and more easier offended. And sometimes the, the things that I find people get offended about doesn't really 
pay or need to be offended about. In other words, let me say it like this. The reason why people are offended doesn't make sense sometimes. Because it's almost like we want to call people to a higher level of living, a higher level of understanding, a higher level of perceiving, and a higher level of death to self. Okay, guys, come on. If you don't respond, I don't know you're sitting with me like that. Come on. The, the, the Lord wants to provoke you to understand that you and I are dead to ourselves. And when we are dead to ourselves, and may I provoke this atmosphere tonight into the supernatural, may, but may you know in this sight that God will provoke that piece of flesh until that piece of flesh dies to self. When that flesh is dead, the Spirit of the Lord will live through you. That's why prayer is uncomfortable and prayerlessness is easy. Because prayer will cost the flesh something. Staying in the Word will cost this flesh something. Fasting will cost this flesh something. Everything worthwhile in the kingdom will cost this flesh something. Are you there? Let me say it again. The transaction between heaven and earth cannot be a cheap one because the Son of God modeled the way. He's modeling power for us. He died to Himself. He died to His own will in submission to the Father. And therefore, all of His followers will use the same pattern. We cannot say if our master died uh, to himself and died to his own will that you and I can live a different life. In actual fact, the Bible says this, listen to this, Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind let, let each esteem others better than himself. Let me say it again. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. In other words, the call of the Christian is to esteem the brother and the sister next to you higher than you. Your job, my job is to see the person next to us more successful than what we want to see ourselves successful. It is the job of one member promoting the other member so that the other member can be better. Okay, not a lot of amens tonight. It's okay. We're going to get you there. But I want us to understand this because unless we perceive this, Satan himself will lead spirit-filled Christians astray. And he will lead them astray with their eyes wide open and they will not live the abundant life because they have not taken control of their hearts and because they have not taken control of their hearts, they will be led astray in this hour and they will think they serve the Lord, but they are not serving the Lord. They are serving their own desires. That's why the Bible says, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. It is what the eyes want that is your enemy. It is what the flesh want that is sometimes the enemy. It's our own pride sometimes that is the enemy. Come on, are you guys okay? You are a spirit, you have a soul and you live in a body, but your, your soul and your body has to die so that your spirit man can live. Because the true you is the inner man. Come on, are you okay? So when you came to the planet and you were born again, you were born from above and born from a mother's womb. And so the true you is just sitting in a temporary tent dressed like you. God chose your sex. God chose your color. God chose where you were born. He chose all of it and He packaged you and He sent you to the earth. That's why the Holy Spirit's job is to lead you against your flesh so that Christ in you can manifest. 
Oh, come on, give Jesus some praise. I want, us to, I want you to understand this. Because if we live for our own selfish ambitions, I promise you, the devil will guarantee your setup. I'll say it again. If we live for our own selfish ambitions, the devil will guarantee your setup. He will guarantee and the Lord will allow that to happen. Let's look at Joseph. I just want to say this. Joseph said, listen to Joseph. Genesis chapter number 50, a power scripture. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Genesis chapter number 50, verse number 19. So in this piece of scripture, what we find is we find Joseph telling his dreams to his brothers. He tells his brothers, listen, all of you guys, you're going to bow down, you're going to worship me, I'm going to become your leader. Then the brothers are out to, they, they're not out just to, um, to provoke him, they're out to take him out. In other words, if you study Genesis chapter 50, you'll find that the brothers say to themselves, or earlier on, the brothers say to themselves, we will take you and take your life from you and then we'll see if you can fulfill this vision or this dream. In other words, the brothers are not playing. They want to take Joseph out. And so Joseph with all of his dreams and everything that the, the Lord has given him gets thrown into a pit. How's that for favor? He was just dressed in favor with his father. He told his brothers, listen, I am going to, you guys are going to all bow down to me. The brothers resented him. They take him and they throw him into a pit. Are you guys okay? Come on, Empower Church. Help me tonight. There's three things that shifts in atmosphere. I want you to listen. There's three things that shifts in atmosphere. Worship, praise, hunger. Let me go on. The anointing. And so tonight, I don't want to use the, my gift or use the anointing. It is your hunger that needs to break the atmosphere. Because we've already praised it. The praise and the worship was not songs that you sang. It was adoration that you were given. Because this is not a stage, it's an altar. There's a difference. And so this atmosphere that you're feeling in the, in the what you're feeling or what you should be discerning right now, is the enemy not liking topics like this because it sets people free. And so let I say it again. I, I have learned, guys, I've been in ministry for long. So I know when, uh, when an atmosphere is resisting me, I can break it through with worship. I can break the atmosphere with praise. I can break the atmosphere with the anointing. I can use my gift to break it. But I've learned that one of the most powerful tools is the people of God hungering after Himself. And when the people of God hunger after God, they break an atmosphere. Because the people understand they themselves want to be free. And so I want you just to know this. Because you are a dream carrier, you'll be unpopul unpopular in the camp of the enemy. Let me say it again. Because you are a dream carrier, you'll be very unpopular in the camp of the enemy. And God will do it like that because every time you face a trial, every time you face a persecution, every time you face a tribulation, God is expanding your carrier to carry greater capacity of the God, of the Godhead inside of you. Let me re reword myself. Every time we face tribulation, trial and difficulty, God is expanding your character to carry more of Him. Therefore, we can say in all trials and in all suffering, we can rejoice 
even if it's extremely difficult, we can rejoice because God is shaping your character to carry more of Himself. I want to say this because it's true. The, the beauty of Christianity is every giant we kill, we are guaranteed a next one. I'll say it again. Every giant you take out, you are guaranteed that God will give you another. Every giant is there to shape Jesus in you. Death to self. When we die to self, I want, I want, let me say it like this. None of us sitting in this room, and even though we're many, none of us can change another person's life. The only person that can change anybody in this room is Christ in me the hope of glory. Therefore, I have to get out of the way that Christ through me can change lives. That Christ through me can heal. That Christ through me can set free. That Christ through me can deliver. That Christ through me can bring the breakthrough. The beauty of Christianity is that God wants to partner with you. So He allows you to be the carrier. Come on guys, are you there? He allows you to bring the breakthrough. In other words, it's your faith that lays hands. But it's in partnership of heaven. It's your faith that gives the gift, but it's in partnership of heaven. It is your faith that steps out, but it's in partnership of heaven. Because as it is in heaven, so let it be done upon the earth. And I believe the, the bedrock, the very, the very root of why offense is a spirit. And it's, it's, not an, it's not an event. Offense is a spirit. And the reason why it's a, offense is a spirit because the carrier of the spirit is the father of lies. And he's offended because he can never get in again. He's been out. He chose to be outside the presence by defiling his own heart. Because he said, I will ascend. He used that word a lot. I will do this. I will do that. And I, I often say to people, and that's why you won't find in your Bible, you won't find God writing in that pride is one of the Ten Commandments that you shouldn't do. God says you should not envy. Because envy is the birthplace of pride. Come on, are you there? Let me say it again. Envy is the birthplace of pride. And you can ask me the question tonight, where are you going? Here is where I'm going. I want us to be dead to ourselves that it's impossible for you to be offended. And you can say, why must, my, why must we be, be offenseless? Because we are tapping into an hour right now where Jesus says, because lawlessness will abide, the love of many will grow cold. Let me reword it. Because the hour is becoming more urgent, many will depart away from their first love. Because the hour is urgent, more and more people will become ineffective. Because the hour is drawing near that you'll see the Son of Man on the clouds again. In this hour, many will forsake. And then the Bible says they'll be offended, they will betray, and they will even hate one another. This is only possible if the flesh is there. I want us to note something here tonight, and it might sign as a revelation. But if there's a dead person next to me, and I tell this dead person, uh, I don't like you. The dead person cannot respond. It's dead. If I say to this dead person, listen, um, I don't like how you are dressed. That dead person cannot respond. It's dead. 
if I, I don't honor this dead person, it is impossible for the dead person to respond. They are dead. For something to respond, it means something has to be alive. So for us to respond in offense means there's a piece of flesh that is alive. Oh, come and give Jesus some praise. Now let me, let me step this up. Luke 17, 1 says this, Then he said to his disciples, It is impossible that there should be no offenses. In other words, Jesus said there will always be root to be offense. But I wrote some notes for us. One, I said this, Offense is an event. Offended is a choice. I'll say it again. Offense is an event. Offended is a choice. Okay? It's a decision. Secondly, I want you to note the word offense is the Greek word scandalizo. The word scandalizo means to be trapped, to be hooked, and to be baited. It means, it, the original word scandalizo is the word of a bird trapped in a cage flying nowhere. That's the word offense. The word offense, please note again, is the Greek word scandalizo, and it gives us the picture of a bird that sits in a cage looking outward but flying nowhere. Therefore, it tells us that offense is a trap to your potential and your purpose in the Lord. Come on, are you guys okay? Often we will, when people are offended, other people will go on of their lives, but the person that is offended, they will stay right where they are spiritually. They will not move beyond their place. Why? They have trapped their hearts. And when the Holy Spirit takes you to a place of repentance, He will take you to the place of offense. Come on, guys. Save me. Watch yourself. No, come on. Save authority. Watch yourself. Now, offended people are sensitive people. Sensitive. They want things in a certain way. Do not become sensitive people. Do not live your life for the praise of other human beings. The Bible warns us against this in John 2, 24, John 6, 53. You live for the praise and adoration of one. He sits upon the throne. He must do this for you. No man shouldn't care for you what man does. Of course we should love one another, but sensitive people, it's like people with a grass burn. You know a grass burn? When people have a grass burn, it's like even water hurts it. That's how the flesh is for offended people. Everything is sensitive, and this is what the devil does. When you, as soon as you take the bait, he will promote your offense, that your offense becomes bitterness, that your bitterness becomes rage, that your rage becomes anger, and your anger becomes hatred. When you've hated people, you have murdered them in your heart. And God says the act in your heart is as critical as the physical act. Come on guys, are you okay? There are many believers, and I remember the day and the time that the Lord posed this question to me in my prayer time. There are many believers who are assassinating other believers in our minds. We're thinking about other people. We have evil thoughts about other Christians. We have evil thoughts about other people. You know what we are doing? We are allowing the spirit of this age to dictate to us against our brothers and our sisters. I want to point out for you, Jesus is never the accuser. He's the concealer. Give me one scripture where Jesus literally tells the person, listen, because of this, you're going to hell. 
Nowhere do you find the master speaking like that. He uses language like go and sin no more. He says, because you have received my grace, stop sinning. Because true recipients of grace understand the power from which we are saved from. You know how we love the Lord much. We understand how much we've been forgiven. May I remind you today, and I know you're beautiful and pretty as you sit here tonight, but may I remind you that there was a day that you were lost. May I remind you that there was a day that you did not know the Lord. May I remind you that there was a day that you were right on your way to hell. And may I remind you that you didn't save yourself, but Jesus Christ by His Spirit stepped into your day somewhere along the line and interrupted your story. You are not here because of you, you are here because of Him. Come on, give Him some praise. Listen, save me entitlement. Entitlement is one of the potential places of offense. We feel entitled. Listen, in the kingdoms, in the king's kingdom, you are entitled to be a servant. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. Offended people are sensitive, offended people are touchy. Don't be touchy. Okay, it's quiet. Offended people are stuck. They live with a wooden beam in their own life. And through the wooden beam, they try to judge other people, yet their vision is skewed. Jesus says, before we address your brother, let's address your eye. You want to deal with the speck in your brother's eye, let's deal with the log that's in yours. Come on, are you there? I promise you in 17 years of ministry, I've never, the, every time I've gone to prayer about a person and I want to complain, God never talks to me about this and say, it's your job to go and correct that. It's your job. I've assigned you. There is not something like spiritual police. You have brothers and sisters that love one another, that serve one another and want to outdo one another in paying honor and reverence, fear to one another as we serve the Lord. Come on guys, what I'm saying now is scriptural to you. And so your number one ambition, listen to me, John chapter number 12, th imagine this. You are, one day there comes a man, let me tell you a story. One day there comes a man upon the scene, he's, he's 30 years of age, he has long hair, he looks a little bit not like he fits in completely. He comes upon the scene, he's, he stands next to a beach, he calls the two first of the disciples, Matthew, and um, oh Simon, Simon and his brother, he, he calls the first two disciples and, and he goes about and he starts of a miracle ministry. Wherever he goes, he shifts towns, he shifts nations, literally shifts towns, he shifts cities and demons start to cry out whenever they see him. He has the impossible possible, he takes five loaves, two fishes, he can feed 5,000 people and suddenly this young man is starting to turn the world upside down. We study history, we'll find out that people fear him, Roman legions fear him, the, the Caesars of the day fear him. Why? Because he walks with an authority that, like he's not from this world. Somewhere along this line, this young man of 30 years of age, he has the ability to raise the dead, he has the ability to cast our devils. Can you imagine how much he wanted to be a part of that group? He selects his first disciple, second disciple, he selects Matthew, 
and soon he selects all 12. But there's one that is in his group that he actually gives his wallet to, to handle. His name is Judas. And we all believe that Judas was so bad. I'm telling you, Jesus trusted Judas. Because please give me a wallet to any person that you don't trust. Jesus trusted Judas. Jesus trusted Judas to make the right decisions even to the end. Come on guys, are you there? And I know the scripture says that, that uh, this son of perdition, that it would go to destruction. So Jesus had the foreknowledge. He had the foreknowledge that Judas would mess up. However, the reason why Judas messed up was offense. He couldn't win his own heart. And this is somebody, please listen to me. He walked in signs, wonders, and miracles. That tells me the supernatural is not enough for your heart to change. Come on, guys, are you okay? He walked in signs, wonders, and miracles. Luke 10, Matthew 10 records for us how the disciples went out under His name. Demons fled, the dead were risen, and the sick were set free. But that was not enough to change Judas. We often think that the supernatural is enough to change us. I'm telling you it's not. Because the human heart and the human will is so powerful, you can still choose. The human will is a powerful thing. It is so powerful that it can break out of 6,500 or 6,824 demons and break out and run all the way to Jesus and say, Jesus, Son of God, why have you come? That's the potential of your will. You've got a, a, a powerful thing that God gave you to will. But look at Judas, John chapter number 12 and verse number 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was going to betray him, asked, Why isn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and money given to the poor? And Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, he, he, as keeper of the money back, he used to take from it. Now listen to me carefully. Judas became offended at another person's place of breakthrough. I want to read the scripture again. I want, to, I want to show you how wicked the heart can be. And it's not a Judas heart, it's a human heart. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, was going to betray him, asked, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given money to the poor? And Judas did not say this because he cared for the poor. But because he was a thief and a keeper of the money back, he used to take what to put in it. So Judas became offended at the place of another person's breakthrough. Mary was pouring a, a perfume upon Jesus. She was making an exchange. Come on guys, are you with me? She was pouring her life onto Him. She was giving Him her very best shot of, of her own, everything she had. She was giving Jesus everything she had and Judas judged it. Oh, come on guys, are you okay? Why are you so quiet? Listen, let me say it like this. He was despising a worshiper and forgot his own heart. And because he forgot his own heart, Satan entered into him. And that was the place, because how can you find a place to get Jesus onto the cross unless you take somebody out that is in his inner circle? And so Satan couldn't find a, a way in. That's why I like Peter more than what I like Judas. Because Peter also betrayed the Lord. But Peter recognized his mistake. 
He repented and he went to the Lord. Judas also repented, but he went to himself. Come on, are you there? Because the Bible says Peter repented. And because Peter repented, he went to the Lord, which was his source. He says, Lord, he understood that he sinned against Jesus. And he wanted his redemption from Jesus. Judas, on the other hand, also recognized that he, what he did was wrong. He took back the 30 pieces of silver. Come on, guys, are you okay? He gave back the money. The Bible also said he repented, but that word repent is different. It means to feel sorry. It is not enough to feel sorry. Sorry is not repentance. Repentance is brokenness. Brokenness is repentance. And a broken heart the Lord will not reject. So true repentance is brokenness. It's not I'm sorry. That is remorse. Repentance is when forgiveness is given. Remorse is you stay in charge. Repentance means I change the course of my life. I humble myself. Remorse says I have some form of validity why I'm still doing what I've done. There are many Christians that are busy, that are not born again. They believe they are born again because they prayed a prayer. The Bible never says you are born again because you pray a prayer. The Bible says you are born again because you are saved by accepting the Son. Acceptance of Jesus Christ brings forth a rebirth that sends the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not die so that you and I can pray a prayer and live like the world. Touchy people. I don't know about you, but I, I, I find it very difficult around touchy people, sensitive people. Because the Bible says your, your mind needs to be as, your, 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 your head needs to be as hard as flint. Your heart has to be soft. Are you there? <clears throat> if your head is hard and your heart is hard, you would want to be honored. Jesus had a huge problem. Please listen to me very carefully. Are you guys okay? Jesus had a huge problem with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He called them vipers. He called them snakes. It's not a very nice thing to say from uh, the Messiah, but that's what he called them. He said, you're brutal vipers. You're snakes. you whitewashed tombs. You're dead bones. How's that for Jesus? He would have trended on all the platforms. He says, you're a tomb. You are a snake. I don't like you. He says, you're brutal vipers. That's an insult. Why is he doing what he's doing? Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees were assigned to help people. And when the people of God would have gone into cages, uh, into caves, what would have happened when the Israelites in, the, in, in ancient times, when they would have gone into a cave to hide from the heat, and as they would sit in the cave to hide from the heat, snakes will come out and bite them. So why was Jesus calling them snakes? Jesus was calling them snakes because he says there are people that are coming you to seek rest but they are not finding rest they are finding more rules and because you are giving my people more rules and not rest you are vipers this tells me something about the shepherd's heart the shepherd's heart wants to untie the burden the shepherd's heart wants to untie that that bounds the shepherd wants to break the yoke the, the shepherd wants to destroy that that is against his sheep Come on, are you there? 
My brother, you'll have to pick up that key. Otherwise, you and I are going to sleep. So please, just take that up. Aiden, can you come to the keys, please? I don't know where you are. Come, run. Let's just take this up. Um, I just want to go up and nod here, please. So he was despising a worshiper and he forgot his heart. Listen to me. The same mistake was made by Michael or Michal. David danced before the Lord, undignified. Do you remember it? He danced like, danced like David did. He was shouting, you know the song? So David danced and he danced so heavily that he forgot his pants. True story. And Michal saw him from, from the temple or from the window of where she was and she judged him in his heart and God saw. And the Bible says God closed the womb. In actual fact, God spoke to his prophet Samuel and he says, go tell her, her womb will be closed. She will not be able to give birth. She will I'll close her womb because she was a judge when somebody worshipped me. Come on, are you there? I want to help tonight. I want to say this. One of the reasons why people are sometimes not bearing fruit is you should have celebrated people. Because are we really going to take in the position where we say, I understand what they go through. I can perceive what is going through their heart. I perceive who they are. No, you're not God. You're a human being. You might have a perception. You might have discernment. You might have the gift of feeling as a prophet even. But none of that qualifies you to become the judge. Come on. I want to encourage you tonight, don't break people because you yourself are in need of grace. So have a heart, have a heart that cannot be offended. Say to yourself, heart be strong, heart be courageous, don't be offended. Just stay with me in the spirit. Just stay with me in the spirit. His offense killed his potential. And he hanged, listen to me, his offense killed his potential and he hanged what he could not control. So Judas, God's plan for Judas was never, I believe, I believe Jesus, let me say it like this. Let me ask a question. How is it possible to sit in the circle where lives change the deaf rise, blind eyes see, deaf ears are opened, multitudes are fed. And yet you sit of a hard heart. How does this work? I think the answer is this. Even though we are in the presence of the King, we still have a choice who conquers us. Now, do you understand the potential of your heart? You can serve the Lord of all of your heart or you're going to serve the Lord on the areas that you are comfortable to serve Him. That's why to be a true servant of the Lord, it's a price tag, brother. It's a price tag, sister. It will cost you something. It's going to cost you your comfort. It's going to cost you something is on the other side of this breakthrough that you want. It will always cost us something. It cannot come in the realm of convenience because if it comes there, it's too cheap. And the Son of Man did not die that we can submit to a cheap thing. Oh, come on, just. 
And so let me say it like this. <clears throat> we are told to cover offenses. The Bible says. In Proverbs chapter number 10, verse number 12, the Bible says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 9, who, who covers an offense seeks love, but who repeats a matter separates close friends. I'll say it again. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. And as I was preparing, the Lord said this to me. He said, son, tell my people they have to get over their pain. Tell my people they have to get over their shame. Tell my people they have to get over their disappointment. Tell my people they have to get over their past because I want to use them and they can't live backwards. The breeding place of offense is a heart that is not under control of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it like this. We have to heal or we're going to bleed on people that did not wound us. Say it again. We have to heal. Otherwise, we're going to bleed on people that did not wound us. And as you sit here tonight, God wants you offense free. Say offense free. Because as soon as you become offended, you become captured. And when we are captured, we start to seep the power of God. What do I mean by that? As soon as you allow your heart to be offended, you're going to start to seep power from, from God. In other words, the supernatural will seep from us. Why? We didn't control our hearts. Come on guys, are you okay? God wants you to win your, you win your heart. You can only win your heart by the Holy Spirit. Let me say it like this. I wrote it down. Powerful stuff in, in the um, powerful, powerful, powerful things. Listen to this. So I spoke about Joseph just in the beginning. Listen to this. Joseph did nothing wrong, yet he landed in prison. Are you there? Now listen to me. This is how important your heart is. If he had gotten out of prison when his heart was not healed, he would have wanted the heads of 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel, including Judah, in which the Lord's lineage is. So the Bible says, Joseph said, you will bow down to me and you will worship me. And the Bible says, according to the word of the Lord, God says, I heard you, now I'm going to try you according to your word. He puts Joseph in prison. Now it doesn't look like the dream can live, but the dream is very much alive. The dream is being tested. The process is on. Can Joseph win his heart? Or will he become offended at God? And so Joseph wins his own heart. God sets him ultimately up for one of the biggest tests that he had to write, and that was to interpret other people's dreams. And so Joseph wins that battle. He interprets other people's dreams. And now God is starting to set him up for his destiny. Are you there? Because there'll come a time that the bread baker and the wine taster is in front of Pharaoh. Exactly where the Lord wanted them. And one of them remembers Joseph. Now the vision is coming to pass. The dream is coming to pass. 
but it didn't look like the dream is going to come to pass when he sat in the in the in the pit it didn't look like the dream is going to come to pass when he was sold into Potiphar's house it most definitely didn't look like it when he became almost rotten meat sitting in a prison cell however God had the dream in mind all the way but Joseph had his heart in his own heart and so as Joseph responded and his heart stayed soft ultimately God puts him up for the biggest test and this is the test of the test he gets to stand face to face of his betrayers and the Bible says these betrayers is now his brothers of course and now he is in power I want you to understand power is a dangerous thing because now he's in power and he can take out his brothers biggest test he can take out his brothers but the Bible says he does not the Bible says he forgives his brothers and he says to them something very profound he says to me you did not send me into Egypt God send me ahead of you oh that's a power scripture because there will come a time, how's this for God? There will come a time where the sons of Israel will need bread. But the one that's going to distribute the bread, is the, the bread is the one that carries the dream. They despise the one that will save them in the future. That's why Joseph is such a beautiful picture about Jesus. Because they despised him when he could save them. Come on guys, are you with me? They despised him and they rejected him when he was the Savior. But it's a huge test for Joseph's heart. Why? And I'll say it like this. Often when God gives you authority, get ready for the test. When God gives you position, get ready for the test. When God assigns anything to you, get ready for the test. It's coming. Because God is going to check your flesh out. God is going to see, is it really about the sheep? Is it really about the people? Is it really about them? God's going to check you out from head to toe. He's going to check your speech out. He's going to check your language out. He's going to check your thoughts out. And then one day as I was praying, God asked me this question. He said, can I trust your thoughts? I said, my thoughts, God. He said, yes, can I trust them? I was shocked. What do you mean? He said, give out your thoughts are unseen words. But your thoughts are heard in heaven. How do we know your thoughts is heard in heaven? Jesus sits across a, a, a table. He's eating. Simon comes. Simon sits with him. A lady comes in um, and she's a harlot. Her name is Mary. We know the story. And the Bible says he thinks in his heart, if this man was a prophet, he'll know who's touching him. And Jesus, who is God, answers. He answers by a parable. That means to me that Simon's thoughts was heard in heaven and was relayed by the Holy Spirit to Jesus. And Jesus poses the question. He says, those, if, if, if you owe me this much or that much, if I forgive this, who will love me the most? And Simon says, that, those that have been forgiven more. And Jesus says, truly, you have judged rightly. Those that love have been forgiven of much, love much. Come on guys, are you okay? And so I want to provoke us into destiny tonight. But how do I provoke us into destiny? We have to be at a place where you and I cannot be offended. 
Oh, let me go for, can I go for two more? I just want you to hear me out and then I'm going to get you to freedom. I'll say again, heal or others are, are you going to bleed on others that did not wound you? Let me go for two scriptures more. Listen, listen to this. King David, I believe, wrote the same test. Because this test of the heart is a crucial test. Come on guys, are you okay? This test of the heart, and I know tonight's, tonight's sermon is piercing many people's hearts and minds and it's, your flesh will be uncomfortable tonight. You'll be like, ah, I don't like this. And you shouldn't like it because it's the word of the Lord that should set you free. It's not always nice for the ears, but it's nice for your spirit. It sets your spirit man free. Our job is to see our brothers and sisters successful and we should be the first to applaud them. David wrote an ultimate test. Listen to David in 1 Samuel 24 verse number 11. My father, know and see that there's neither evil nor rebellion in my hand. I've not sinned against you, yet you'll hunt my life to take it. David's is, David is heartbroken. David just wants to serve Saul. Come on, are you there? Just wants to serve Saul, but Saul wants to take David out. You know why David, Saul wants to take David out? Because Saul is not getting the praise. David is getting the praise. And the ladies is no longer singing about Saul. They're now singing about David. And now because somebody else is getting the praise, that demon of that demonic spirit that was in Saul starts to rise. He starts to hate the anointing because it wasn't David. It was what he carried. Oh no, you're not hearing what I'm saying. It wasn't David. It was what he carried. He carried the power and the person of the Holy Ghost. And so Saul's heart is provoked because David is getting the praise. But David's heart is so beautiful. He says, Lord, I, I don't, my father, I, I didn't come to, I just want to serve you. Here am I. And Saul time and time and time again wants to take him out. Eventually Saul reaches such a bad place that God fires him. He's still king, but he's no longer God's choice. God has already chosen David. Are you there? And then the Bible says God assigns a tormenting spirit to Saul. Not the devil, God. God assigns a tormenting spirit to Saul. Because Saul is losing his heart. And there's only one that can lift the torment. Who was it? David. How could he lift the torment? Through the anointing of worship. Whenever he played his harp and worshipped, the tormenting spirit subsided. That tells me something about worship. Worship is a power and it's a transaction agent between this earth and heaven by which the powers of hell can be defeated. That's why your worship is your breakthrough. Oh. How well can we do if others get praise? How well can we do if others get celebrated? How well can we do? That's the question. Because 
And, and thank be to God, Jesus did it well. And I want to encourage you tonight, I'm done. I want to just name two things. Whenever praise came to Jesus, He directed it to God. They want to call Him good, He says, no, the Father is good. They want to give Him praise. In John 2, 24, He walks right through the crowd. He says, I know your people, I know your hearts. You celebrate me today, tomorrow you throw me of stones. Listen to me carefully in power. I want it to teach every single one of you something here. Whenever you receive the dream from God, shh. Whenever you receive the dream from God, shh. Why do I say shh? Because when the angel of the Lord said to Mary, what is his purpose? Mary carried it in her own, her own heart. And the fruit of the dream spoke for Mary. Come on guys, are you there? We have to be so slippery, so anointed, that nothing that the devil does sticks. It should slip off. Come on guys, give Jesus just some praise. I, I, want, I want to leave you with two thoughts and then I want us to respond. Jesus said these words. Jesus could take, listen to me, I want you to understand the, the vastness of how good Jesus is. Because He is just, He's just superior in everything. Jesus is su such an awesome example that He's busy dying on the cross. Busy dying. He is, he is, he is when somebody died, what happened on the, on the cross and the Roman, and Roman crosses, what would have happened to them. Just want to sketch this picture for you that you understand a little bit. When somebody died on a, a Roman's cross, not, not, not only did he survive somehow the scourging, because the scourging was often called the first death, not only did he survive that, but when you hang on a cross, what will happen to you is that your, your, um, uh, your, your joint in your hand goes out of, out of joint. Your, your elbow goes out of joint. Your shoulder goes out of joint as you hang. And then as you're hanging, what happens is all your ligaments start to tear one by one. Then what happens, all the muscles tear just because the, the ligaments are staying. Now, it is no longer your muscles nor your ligaments that is holding you in place. What's holding you in place is your flesh. It's tearing. That's what happened to Jesus. And so what he, as He was hanging on that cross, now His feet is like that. And because they put the, the nail through there, the only relief He has is to push himself up on his on the nails on the feet he needs to push himself up he needs to take a breath as quick as what he can and then he falls back that's the crucifixion jesus does this of his whole back ripped open according to the book of isaiah he does this while you can see his organs so badly he was beaten come on guys this is a bloody scene not beautiful it's not like the passion of whatever that you see and you think that's bad. No, his organs could be seen. He was marred so heavily that the book of Isaiah says we didn't even perceive that he's a man. That's how badly he was beaten. Now he hangs there, think of me just for a moment, and the only way that the, the Romans can make sure he's gonna die quickly, now they wanna break the legs, because as soon as the legs gets broken, they can't push themselves up anymore, they can't breathe anymore. So now Jesus' bones does not get broken, according to the Scriptures, but what happens is His lungs starts to fill of liquid. That's why when they pierced His side, blood and water came out. 
Why did blood and water came out? Two reasons. One, to show as proof that he's dead. Two, Jesus drowned in his own liquid. Are you getting the picture of what happens on the cross? Now while this is happening, his scoffer is at his feet. They're saying, come down, son of man. Come down, you helped others, but you can't help yourself. Come down. Come on, you saved many other people. Come down. And the Bible says, this is Jesus hanging. And then you have these scoffers here saying, come down, come down, Jesus, come down. You can do this, come down. And they are right, he can. So he's hanging, and on this side is 12 legions of angels waiting for him to say, come. Are you understanding the struggle? Here he's, he's hurting, he's dying. Come on, he's dying. On this side is scoffers, on this side is the army. They're ready because it's the captain hanging. It's the general hanging. And Jesus says these incredible grace-filled words that you and I, I think, will understand in heaven one day. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Ridiculous grace. He says, count it not again them, but they are guilty. Exactly. And Jesus says, Father, do not close the door of grace on them. Because I did not come to condemn. I came to save. Oh, hallelujah. Because later if you study, if you study the historical documents, if you study Eusebius and you study Josephus, and there's many other reports that you can go and read. For example, the Vulgate report. You find, you find that there comes a day in the future where Jesus dies. He dies that same day. The Bible says he gets put into a tomb. We know he raises and he goes to be with the Father later on. But later on, the Bible, the historical documents tells us, Eusebius tells us, this. Joseph, you can study these things, guys. You'll find that there came a day where the Son of Man appears to Caiaphas again. And Caiaphas and Ananias, who were they? They were the ones that said to Jesus, way of him crucify him and Jesus shows up in the life of Caiaphas and you can go and read it it's called the Vulgate Reports go and read the, what, what, what Caiaphas writes Caiaphas writes in his letter to the Roman Senate in which he resigns he writes this he says I forbade I comprehend that in my zealousness for religious correctness I might have made the greatest mistake of my life and that is to kill the Messiah. And Caiaphas repents and turns to the Lord. Good study what I'm saying to you. That door would have not been open if Jesus said, Father, keep their sins. No, He released them and He let them go. Why am I telling you so much detail? Because if Jesus modeled this to us, you and I have no right to hold on to nothing. We have to let it go. No, but I've been wounded. So what? Let it go. I've been betrayed. I understand. Me too. Let it go. 
I've been spoken about, so what? Get over it, go on. I've been gossiped about, I understand. Oh, me too, so what? Carry on. But you don't know my life. I know, that's why I'm not living it. You are, choose Jesus, carry on. We have to be better than what we face. Come on, guys. In this church, I don't want you just to shout hallelujah. I want you to be men and women of character, men and women of God that can say yes to God. And your yes is your yes, and your no is your no. And when you say yes to Him, you mean what you say, and you say what you mean. Come on, are you there? And so I, I want us to be at a place in our own lives that we can rise up to a new dispensation. That we and, you and I, that we can be offense-free people. Come on, are you there? But it's gonna take humility. It's gonna take death to self. Oh, I'm gonna listen to my sermon myself. It's gonna take death to self. And as I drove in here tonight, the Lord spoke to me as I was driving. The Lord said this to me. He said, there's people here tonight that are offended at me because they think I should have done things at a certain time, at a certain moment, and I didn't. They are offended at me. And tell them, I'm the only one that can help. Tell them, don't be offended at the source because I have the answer. Come on, guys. Can I end with this? Then I want us to respond. <laughs> don't let the people live in your mind. Don't let the people live in your mouth. Bless others. Be a blessing to other people. Live a life where you want to see your brother and your sister promoted more than what you want to see you promoted. <laughs> Prefer one another. Honor one another. Love one another. Submit to one another. Can I tell you why people are not loving their neighbors? Because they don't love themselves. Because you can only love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the reason why many people are not loving their neighbors, they don't like themselves. They're not liking what they see. And the first place of freedom, you have to like what you see. Do not, and I'll, I'll leave you with some freedom thoughts. Do not become the version of other people. Be you. Do not become somebody else's assumption of who you think you should be. Don't be molded into the way of this world that you look so much like the world that nobody thinks you're a Christian. There's something in you that must tell us, that must show us you're a Christian. Come on, are you there? Oh, come on, give Jesus just some praise. And so tonight, I wanted you offense free. You know why? And I'll give you the why. I've sat with many talented people in my life. A lot of talented people. And the number one thing that I could find in them often while they are not living the abundant life is because somewhere they left their hearts open for their enemy's attack. 
And yet they're gifted, yet they're talented, yet they're anointed. But God can't use them because they've allowed their hearts to be won over. Are you guys okay? Your heart has to stay soft. Yes, Lord. Okay, let me tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? I want to land this well in your heart. You know, it's good that we use testimony so that you can be free too. Because if we, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony, right? When I, start, when I started many, many years ago, there was a group of people that didn't like it very much. And so in those early days, I thought to myself, okay, you might not like me, but I'm gonna get more anointed. I'm gonna pray more, I'm gonna read more Bible. God will use me more and true it did work prayed more spend the time more of the word and you know more about the Lord and I won't say it's because I've done those things that's why the Lord promoted me to places no I think it's the Lord's choice and it's God just does things because he loves us and he gives us places and positions because of his grace because of his massive grace we respond are you there but here came the test many many years later on I actually sat in the place where I was now the one that was the boss. I was the one that's in control. Same people were around, just one or two of them. And my initial thought was, now it's my time. Okay, nobody thinks like that. <laughs> I said, okay, you made it difficult for me for about 10 years. Now I'm going to make it difficult for you. And the Holy Spirit interrupted that thought. He said, you can't lead what you don't love. Love. He said, but I don't like them. The Lord said, it's okay. You don't need to like them, but you have to love them. I'm like, what? What do you mean? He said, you still have to love them. He said, but they were wrong. The Lord said, I don't care if they were wrong. You are in a place of authority. Love them. He said, how do I love them? answer serve them I don't want to serve them I know that's why you have to and then I said but I don't like this way of talking give out it's not a suggestion it's a command love your neighbor I didn't suggest that I commanded you that you see we cannot treat the word of the Lord as a book of suggestions it's a book of commandments. Love your neighbor. Give your tithe. Ah, is that a suggestion? No, it's a command. Worship the Lord your God and have no other God before Him. It's a command, not a suggestion. Come on, are you there? The, the danger is this in 2023. The danger is this. Nice sounding things may sound like the anointing. But nice sounding things makes your flesh look good, but your spirit stays bound. That's why you need the anointing. Because the anointing sets you free. Come on, just give Jesus some praise. Okay. Let me, let me say it like this. 
I want to land this sermon tonight and I, I want to activate. So all of that I've said will mean nothing unless I activate. Well, no, it will mean a lot, but I, we have to activate. And what I want to activate on tonight is that I feel like the Spirit of the Lord has said to me that there are people that are, are, have been sensitive. And you've been sensitive. And that sensitivity is the enemy's way to set you up for a fall. You have to get away from your sensitivity. Come on, are you there? Because your victory is not in the hand of human approval. Your victory is in the hand of the Lord your God, which has approved of you. Oh, come on, are you there? But you have to get to a place. I have to get to a place where we go to repentance, not remorse. And we say, Lord, forgive us that we've become offended. Forgive us that we've become entitled. Forgive us that we've become sensitive where we should have been unsensitive. Forgive us, Lord, that we've been easily offended. Come on, are you there? Listen, let me say it like this. Forgiveness does not condone the act. Forgiveness refuses that the act has a say into the future. I'll say it again. When you forgive, it does not condone the act. It doesn't say you agree. When you forgive, you are just taking the power out of it playing a part in your tomorrow. Are you there? Second thing I want to help people with. When you forgive, it also does not mean that you have to reconcile. You can forgive from a distance and let it go. For example, if somebody has been wounded terribly by another human being, you don't need to be reconciled to live in a life of forgiveness. You can forgive, let it go, and go on. Come on, guys. To forgive simply means you disembowel the enemy from having power. And you give it to God. But you can say, but I, I, I've been innocent. And you might be right. But the only person that can prove that is God. You can't prove it. God has to. And that's why you must trust yourself to God. Come on, tonight has been true and it's been right to your hearts. But it's so that you might be free. Come on, are you guys okay? If we live for human appraisal, we'll die by their rejection. Are you okay? Live for God. Live for the praise of Jesus. And He'll set you free. Come on, give Jesus some praise. Yes, Holy Spirit. There's two sins that will get you to hell. Only two. One is unforgiveness. And two is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What, is, what are those two things? I'll, I'll summarize and then I want people to stand. Unforgiveness means you hold people to their wrongs. Unforgiveness means that you refuse to let it go. Unforgiveness says, Lord, I am, I am God and I am judge. I can hold people's sins back. Unforgiveness puts you up on the throne and takes God off His throne. Not really, but you understand what I'm saying. 
Unforgiveness is something you have to let go of because it stops the voice of God in your life. It stops your talents, it stops your gifting, and it stops you. Unforgiveness is a beautiful path to hell because it's paved with pride, self-righteousness, and blocks called the flesh. Forgive and let it go. But God, why? It's not important, let it go. But God, I was innocent. Jesus was innocent. But God, I was betrayed. I did everything right. Jesus was betrayed. But here are words that I want to engrave into your spirit. And as I say, the Spirit of the Lord is increasing here. Here are words that has to be engraved into your spirit. The Jesus Christ out, Lord, my Father, my Father, why have you forsaken me? He was not cared about people forsaking him. But he was scared about when the father moved. He said, why have you left? Or why have you lifted from me? Why did Jesus take the back of the father? Come on, think of me just for a moment. I, I pray that you hear what I'm saying. Why did Jesus take the back of the father? Why did Jesus, why did he take that back? Why did he take that? Why did he take... Why did he take the father's rejection for a moment? Why did he take that place where he said, my father, my father, why? Why, 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 why? It must be the question. The answer is simple. So that you will never be rejected. So that you will never be alone. So that you will never face a day or a time or an hour where he is not with you. That's why He is the ever-present God. He is the ever-present Father. He is Abba. He is Emmanuel. God with me. And maybe tonight you have to forgive yourself. So I forgive me for holding myself to a standard that God Himself didn't even give. Maybe you need to let you go. And so for, for so many years of my life, I followed certain things and precepts and rules that I thought would please my God. I'm telling you, He's not pleased by all the efforts of righteousness that you can achieve. All of them is as dirt before the Lord. What He is pleased with is obedience. Can He trust you when He speaks to you? Can He trust you when He gives you a command? Can He trust you to stand when everything is against you? Can He trust you to rise up early in the morning and later die? Can He trust you? That's a, a question of the eternity. Can He really, really trust you? Not when all is for you, but when everything is against you. Can Jesus trust you? It's not a question of condemnation. It's a question of freedom. Can He trust you? The millionaires that sit here, can He trust you with your millions? The billionaires that are sitting here, can He trust you with your money? Or how are you taking care of yourself and not loving God's people? Oh, can Jesus trust us of that that He gave us? Can He trust you with your musical gift? Can He trust you with your authority? Can He trust you with the grace that you've received? Because the last time I checked, nothing is because of us. Everything is because of Him. Can He trust us? I asked that question myself many times. God, why me? He said, I can trust you, son. Lord, I feel alone. I understand that I can trust you. Can God trust you in the loneliness? Can God trust you when you lose your family? Can He trust you? Will you still praise Him? Come on, guys. Are you with me? 
We lose the battle when we lose our hearts. Now conquer your heart. Chase out that fire devil. He's been fired from heaven and you've received the place. Now take up your place and be a son and daughter of the Most High God. I'm going to say something now that's going to maybe upset one or two of you. People that talk about other people are not living out their purpose. You know why? Because I, as I stand here, I know people living out their purpose. They don't have time to talk about other people. They're just living full speed. People that stand around and say, have you heard and have you this, have you that? Those people have too much time. It's true. You should be a person that love God, love people. I'll end with this thought. You are strong for a reason. You are strong for a reason. Many of you, as you sit here, you are strong. Don't boast in your strength. But you are strong because you can help other people. Help other people. Yeah, come on, give Jesus some praise. Help other people, give Jesus some praise. Give Him some praise, give Him some praise, give Him some praise. Come on. Just 10 seconds, give the Lord some praise. Come on, I want us to lift the name of the Lord. And so, As you are standing, you're in the right place. We can take this moment as we are standing and we can say, Lord, we forgive ourselves. Because we might have held ourselves to a standard that God did not keep us to. Come on, guys, are you there? Human beings respond. Come on, on this case. Human beings respond best with arms of grace. Come on, guys. Arms of grace. You all respond best. Me too. When there's the arms of God saying, come home. Don't carry that for yourself. Don't carry that burden by yourself. Let it go. Come, I died for you. But you have to choose. There we are standing. You don't need me. You need Him. You have to choose. I want to be free tonight. I will not carry this standard anymore. I'm going to let it go. There was a time in my life, thank you Holy Spirit, there was a time in my life I prayed for eight hours a day. Eight hours a day for 18 months because I believe that's the way that God will lead me to holiness. It's true. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. For 18 months I prayed eight hours a day. I had a godly encounter after 18 months. The Lord showed me things that I still cannot even say to this day. But it didn't make me more godly, I promise you. Now I understand that even in all the praying, it doesn't make me more righteous. You know what it does? It makes me more hungry for to understand more of Him. And by the way, I'm not praying like that right now. The point you get seasons of prayer. But you know, back then I would have gone to Him in fear. Like, Now I don't go like that. I'm a son. Now I go to Hey Dad, it's hey Abba, it's me, it's Father, it's me. Lord, I love you. I worship you. I praise you. It's a different type of prayer. 
And what took me 15 years ago, eight hours to achieve, I can achieve right now in 30 minutes if I can just sit with my Father. Because I've learned to enter His courts by boldness. I've learned to enter His courts, not by what I've done right or wrong, but I enter with Jesus right in front of me. I said, Lord, I'm entering because He's entering. He's welcoming Him, so I'm following Him. And then He says, welcome Jesus, welcome Gerard. Both of you are welcome. How can I help? How can you lose in a court where God is the judge and the advocate is Jesus and the representative is the Holy Spirit? How can you lose? God lose in a court like that. It's your dad that you're standing in front. Come on, are you guys with me? So if your dad lets you go, it's time that you let you go. Come on, guys. And we apply grace. We love people. Come on. Can I say this? Most people will be healed better if you love better. Some people don't need counseling, they need love. It's true. Some demons don't just call, go out by authority. God, because people are, are loving them. What is true deliverance? Somebody that loves another human soul. As you're standing here tonight, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. Everybody online, you can do the same. I want us to pray together tonight. The first thing that I want us to do is to forgive ourselves. There we are tonight, say that. Say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for holding a standard against myself, against my own self. Father, forgive me for holding a standard that I cannot keep. Come on, the guys that are online, share the gospel, get it out, pray with us. Let it go tonight. So Father, forgive me. Forgive me. Come on, church. What good is it if we, if we don't let go? Come on. Better be under, you have to listen to the Spirit. Now, secondly, I want you to forgive people. If you're holding on to a grudge, if you're holding on to a fence, now is the time to let it go. Say, say tonight, yes, Father, I, uh, say tonight, I let it go. I forgive you. I let it go. If there's husbands here tonight that need to forgive your wives, forgive them. If there's friends here that need to forgive friends, forgive them. If there's spouses here that need to forgive one another, forgive one another. If your enemy is at home, then forgive them. Let them go. Come on, let's pray. Pray that. Let it rain. Come on, just deal with your own heart. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Now there's people here present tonight. There's people here present. The Lord spoke to me as I came in here. There's people here that you struggle with disappointment in your own heart towards the Lord. I say it again, you struggle in your own heart with disappointment against the Lord. You are disappointed against the Lord. You are disappointed in your own heart. 
and tonight the Lord wants to set you free from that disappointment if that's you tonight I want you to step out of your seats you say I'm disappointed in God come on let's be honest for a moment if you are disappointed in the Lord and you say Lord Lord I, I, I'm disappointed I thought it's gonna happen it didn't happen I'm disappointed Lord but you want to be free tonight I want you just to step out and come to the front here I want to pray for you personally because we're gonna rid ourselves of that that devil that wants to lie to us come guys let's break the atmosphere Everybody that's online, I want you to comment your names if that's you tonight and you're struggling and you're saying, Oh, I'm struggling with unforgiveness in my heart towards the Lord, disappointment against the Lord. Just comment, comment, comment. Say that's me. I don't want the prayer line to go up right now. Take the prayer line off for me, please. Everybody that's online tonight and you're saying, I've been disappointed at God. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Everybody that's in front here, come on, lift our hands to God. Lift your hands to the Lord. I want the other church members that's, that's standing in the church, come out, everybody. Come and put your hands on the people here in front. Come. We're going to heal together. Come on, put your hands upon your fellow brothers and sisters. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Put your hands upon them. Come on, let's heal together. Come church, come out, come out. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. That tonight is the night that people can be set free. Father, we want to pray, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to pray tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, for every single person that's here in front. Lord, we want to ask you at this moment, Lord, that your spirit of grace will be released upon them tonight. Father, as they stand here tonight, I want you to say these words with me. Everybody that's here in front, say me, Father, I forgive. I let it go. Lord, I let go of my disappointment. I let go of my disappointment. Come on, church. Save me. I let go of my disappointment in this night. It will have no more power over me. I let it go in Jesus' mighty name. 